Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, on today's episode of Games with Bill, we're going to talk about PlayStation. We're going to talk about uh, Elden Ring as well as Hogwarts Legacy. We're going to talk a little bit about E3 and we're going to talk about Tom Clancy X Defiant. If those stories and more on today's episode of Games with Bill. Let's get started. Just to remind everybody how it worked, when Valve announced the Steam Deck, they said, hey, everybody, if you had a Steam account before today, you can try and make a purchase. And if you make a purchase, it's basically a $5 reservation slot. Everybody gets in line, and then we'll call you as it's your turn to let you buy them. Uh, and oh, honestly, compared to the PlayStation and Xbox, I think that that's really the the, be- the best way to go. Just my opinion. Um, I think it's worked pretty well. And we've we, they did have a little delay at the end of last year, but that delay uh, is now over. And you know they're out in the wild, and people are buying them and playing them. But there's still a lot of people waiting just to buy them. And uh, a lot of those people are Q1 people. When I say Q1, I mean the first three months of the year. I saw a lot of people asking what that means. That's what it means. The first, you know, four quarters in a year, the first three months are the first quarter, the second three months are the second quarter, and so on. Uh, But in the first three months, that's January, February, March. And we are coming up on the end of March. And there's still a lot of people who have Q1 next to their reservation spot. And they're wondering, when am I going to get to order mine? Well, Valve tweeted this out, which I thought was really awesome. I'm going to bring it up on my phone just so that I make sure I get it right. They said, hey all, this week's Q1 Steam Deck order emails have been sent out. All remaining Q1 reservers will receive their email next week. So, if you didn't know, every Monday... Valve has been sending out a bunch of emails saying, hey, you can buy yours. And then people have three days to make their decision. And then they move on to the next person in line. Well, next Monday, which is, I'm looking at my, I don't know the day. uh, Next Monday would be seven days from today. So that would be March 28th. Uh, The last of the Q1 reservation spots will be sent out. So if you're a Q1 person and you don't have your Steam Deck yet, you're about to get it, and I think that that's really exciting for you, and I hope that you subscribe to the channel and come back for more Steam Deck stuff. Now, that's really awesome. I'm super happy about that. As a content creator, I'm also very interested that OBS, which is the recording software that I use when I do any live streams or anything like that, um, OBS is now available on Steam, and I've seen a couple of streams that people have done from the Steam Deck, which is incredibly interesting. Now, I don't know that I would want to do that, but if you want a cheap way to get into content creation, a $400 machine that can run OBS, you buy yourself, uh, actually has a built-in microphone. It's not the best microphone in the world, but it's not bad. 
that's actually really, really compelling. Like you can do it all on deck. That's really cool. However, you are going to pay a price whenever I like if, <laughs> when I play a game on my computer, if I try and stream from that same computer, I will often drop a whole bunch of frames. It'll get real nasty real fast, but it's super interesting that it's a possibility. And I can't think of any other reason for OBS, this software that is really niche, to show up on Steam if it didn't have anything to do with Steam Deck and just making sure that it was easy for people to use on Deck. Very interesting conundrum. I'm curious, anybody out there who's a content creator like me, do you, are you interested in making your stuff right on Deck? I, for me... I'm not because I have a really nice computer that I can use in order to edit the video. Uh, like I've got a nice camera. I've got a couple of different microphones. I've got like big lights and stuff. Doing it on deck is kind of a pain. But if I didn't have all that stuff and I was just looking for an entry level way to try my hand at content creation and see if it was any good, that would actually be pretty cool. Really cool. So two of the games that I've really been enjoying this year have been games that traditionally I have not been interested in. Uh, that would be Monster Hunter Rise. Um, ah, man, I love that game. I've had so much fun with it. But the other Monster Hunter games just never really grabbed my attention nearly as much as this one did. And then From Software's Elden Ring. Again, I played Dark Souls 3 and it never made me just really want to jump in. Like, I I played that game like five times and said, you know what, this is not for me. Um, all of the hype around Elden Ring convinced me to try it out, and I'm really glad that I did. I probably got around 25 hours in that game, but I might be hitting the wall, um, and, and it's not necessarily because it's difficult, and it is, and it's not because... I don't think it's a good game, because I, I do think it is. I think really the reason why I'm hitting that wall is just simple attention span. I don't know what it is about me, because when I play like Monster Hunter Rise, that game is incredibly repetitive. Maybe it's because you can play it in such small chunks, and every time I go to play Elden Ring, I feel like, boy, I better really carve out uh, an amount of time in order to sit down and play this. And then I make a decision. I don't know if I really have time for that. So I don't. And that might be the reason that I don't play Elden Ring. I wish it were more bite-sized. You look at a game like Breath of the Wild and the ability for me to just simply pause it, close it, come back to it later, um, that made it so that I would continue playing it for a really, really long time on the Nintendo Switch. Elden Ring is specifically designed to not let you pause the game. They don't want you to stop playing for any particular reason unless you are done. And that means that as somebody who is incredibly distractible, has a lot of things going on, it makes it unlikely for me to boot the game, which is why... I might be kind of washing my hands of it. It's still fantastic, and I'm still really, really glad 
that I picked it up, but man, I really wish I could pause the game. And I know this is not anything new. People have been complaining about FromSoft games, not, or from software games not allowing you to pause for an exceedingly long time. I'm not the first person to come up with this complaint. I'm just the latest, I guess. Uh, that being said, my son has been playing the hell out of it. He's already far surpassed where I have been in the game. He's playing as like a samurai and he's having an absolute blast. It's great for him. Like he keeps coming up and saying, hey, come look at this, which is always fun as a dad. I like that a lot. Um, but man, a lot of people are with him on this. 12 million copies of Elden Ring have been sold so far. And it's from software's best-selling game, I believe, at least in the series. Uh, it nobody has ever like they've never had uh, success like this, and it makes me wonder if that success will lead to less games like the previous Dark Souls games and more games like Elden Ring, or if they will kind of stick to their roots. It's, it's always been something that I've been curious about, about when you look at a developer, how do they change based on sales? Like, look, I don't do this for the views or for the listens. It's nice that people listen or watch my stuff. I do it because it's fun for me. And because of that, I tend to do things that very specifically get in my way. And I I'm almost betting that From Software is going to do things like that, where they will very specifically say, okay, these are the things that a lot of people found compelling last time around. We're going to either remove those things or change those things because they almost, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but they almost seem like they want to alienate the player so that the player, almost like it's their enemy, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm talking out of the wrong side of my mouth or something. You guys let me know in the comment section down below or at me on Twitter. Let's move on to PlayStation. I want to talk about Hogwarts Legacy. We finally got a, a second state of play last week where uh, Sony was showing off all of the stuff for Hogwarts Legacy. And I, I, I'm going to be completely transparent. I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan. Like, I've, I've never read the books. I did watch the movies with my kids. I think I watched them once in theaters. And then my kids did a marathon, and we sat and watched them then. And I really did enjoy them, but I didn't ever feel compelled to go back and take another look. Um, that being said, uh, when Hogwarts Legacy was announced, I was like, okay, that looks cool. I don't have a PlayStation, so I don't really care. I still want to get a PlayStation. I'm still trying to get a PlayStation. But I knew it was uh, you know, a PlayStation exclusive. And... Uh, so I didn't really pay too much attention to it. Well, I decided to watch the state of play, and they really showed off a lot of the a lot of stuff with Hogwarts Legacy that is catching my eye, that is interesting to me, and it, it's not about the lore of um, Harry Potter or Hogwarts or whatever. I feel like this is the kind of game that, well, okay, if this exact game were made and it didn't. It wasn't called Hogwarts or didn't have anything to do with Harry Potter. But everything about the game was exactly the same. Just changed the name of the setting and uh, the name of the game. I think that this game would do well. It wouldn't do nearly as well as it will with the Hogwarts name on it. But I think it would do 
exceedingly well. And it would it would appeal to I'm going to say not necessarily a different audience, but a um uh, a, a more narrow audience. Like the Harry Potter stuff is capturing a lot of interest that otherwise wouldn't be there. But for me, this game looks interesting even even if even though it's a Harry Potter game, if that makes sense. And I know it's not a Harry Potter game. It takes place in the same universe and it's um what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's in the past. It's almost like I think the best comparison for for Hogwarts Legacy might be Knights of the Old Republic. You know, you're looking at a game with a lot of customizability in a beloved franchise. And in that beloved franchise, you're going back in time to so, so that you can really do whatever you want with the lore. And that's interesting to me. I like the whole 1800s uh, aesthetic for it. I think that that's really cool. Uh, but I think the game looks good. And I'm definitely interested in it. Now, whether or not I can get my hands on a PS5 or not, that's another story. Um, that being said... When you are looking at Hogwarts Legacy, I think that there's a lot of people who were expecting the graphics fidelity to be a lot better, and I'm not necessarily one of them, because I I, I saw a lot of people saying that it looked bad. And for me, I was like, well, I didn't think it looked too bad, but I've also never really been a graphics snob. My guess is that you go into the past, and in the past... When we move from one console generation to the next, like when that happens, generally in the past, it's been much faster that the old gen gets left behind. And this time around, the old gen is not getting left behind nearly as quickly because Sony and Microsoft understand that it's really hard to get their hands on the chips that they need. And so because of that, they are limiting how many that they can sell. And so it makes sense for publishers to say, all right, well, we're going to target the old systems and the new systems even a year into the next gen. And I think that this cross-gen period is taking longer than it has in the past. And I think that that is one of the reasons that people are looking at this game and saying, it's not blowing me away nearly as much. I mean, look, the game is supposed to run on the PS4. Actually, I just read the other day that it's going to run on the Nintendo Switch as well. Um, you know, you look at the Nintendo Switch, and it almost makes me wonder, did Nintendo affect the next-gen stuff because publishers don't want to target next-gen stuff because then they can't target the Nintendo Switch because it's so much underpowered compared to the other ones? Almost, and I think I may have said this, I don't know, years ago, back when the show was called Nintendo Switchcraft, but I think almost like if Nintendo, or if publishers would target the Switch first, and then kind of do the more bells and whistles on the, uh, the next-gen stuff. It's definitely an interesting thing. Let's move on to the lightning round. I want to talk real quick about Google Stadia and the fact that Jade Raymond, uh, her studio which originally was uh, working for Google Stadia, who, you know, they said, you know what, we're, we decided it's too expensive to make our own games. We're just going to bring in third-party stuff. And so then they canceled, or didn't cancel, they, they got rid of uh, Stadia Games and Entertainment 
Jade Raymond was the head of that division, and basically she said, all right, well, I'm, I, I want to make video games. I don't want to do other stuff, so let me go. Google said, yeah, all right, go ahead. And she formed her own studio called Haven. And Haven, uh, she brought a lot of people from SG&E with her in, into that new studio. Well, that new studio was just purchased by Sony, so whatever it is that they've been working on, which I'm sure is very, very interesting stuff, uh, is now going to be something that's going to... I'm not going to say uh, going to be a Sony exclusive, uh, but it's definitely going to be on PlayStation, whatever it is. Uh, I will say this, that that team has a lot of experience in the cloud-native realm. And... Jade did say in an interview a lot of very interesting things made me think of NFTs when she was talking about it, which makes me nervous. I don't I don't like that idea. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, NFTs have been kind of all over the place, and um, I don't like the idea. I don't like it eking its way into the gaming industry, and I don't know if that's what uh, Haven Studios' plan is or if that's what Sony's uh, plan is, but just makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, also on the lightning round, we have um, Ubisoft uh, is, they have this, uh, they have the Tom Clancy name. And uh, they kind of attach that to a lot of their, their products. And there's some people who are big Tom Clancy fans who would say, that's not very Tom Clancy. This is very Tom Clancy. I don't think that that one should have that name on it. And when they announced uh, X Defiant, which I believe is like their uh, their version of like a six on six like Overwatch style game, I played the beta of it. I can't talk about it because I was under NDA at the time, and I don't know, I don't know how long the NDA goes for that because it was a while ago. Um, that game, a lot of people felt that it didn't feel like uh, Tom Clancy stuff. And it seems like Ubisoft is now agreeing because they have changed it from Tom Clancy's X Defiant to just X Defiant. It's getting to be that time of year. We're, we're coming up at the end of March. And you know what that means. That means all of the EA, EA, E3, that's what I wanted to say. All of the E3 announcements or pre-announcements or lack of announcements are going to start happening really, really soon. And one of those things is that EA is kind of passing on E3 this year. That's why I said EA before. Um, I'm curious what E3 is going to look like. This will be the third year in a row where we don't have a live show. And I think that that's the responsible thing. I think that it's good that they're doing that. Um, but at the same time, like, I've been saying this for a couple of years now. I don't know... I don't know if, if E3 can survive what, what, what they're doing right now. I don't know if it's as important as it used to be. Because now, all of the companies out there, they have a direct line of communication with the players. They don't need to go through E3 in order to talk to us. And... You might think that that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, for one, really look forward to summertime when, when E3 happens because it's exciting and you get lots of announcements. But there's no reason for companies to pay the ESA for the privileges uh, for the privilege of making announcements at that time 
because sure, uh, all the journalists are going to be looking at E3, but if I'm also if I'm big enough, like if I'm Nintendo or whatever, and sure they're going to make an announcement at that time, like they always do. But everybody's going to pay attention to what they say, whether they're part of E3 or not. So, boy, do you think E3 survives a third year without a live show? I'm not sure. Anyway, let me know. While you're here, there's a video for you to watch right up there. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye, everybody.